to this day, I think the difference between a professional and an amateur is tiny things. You know, it, it's not the big things, it's the little things. It's the costume, it's the, it's the whole thing put together. And, um, you know, that is, I've kept that through my whole life as well. This is the Gilded Thread Podcast. I am Irene O'Brien and I have a long-standing obsession with the role of clothing in our lives. We are definitely living in a time when so many of us have the platform to broadcast every minute of our own lives, should we choose. I wanted to hear from those people whose stories are perhaps a little less shared and learn about their lives as recalled through their style memories. Today, I'm chatting with Marion Fawcett, Queen of the Irish Circus. I was particularly keen to speak to her about her time in Sheba and the, frankly, iconic outfits that regularly made headlines. Marion Fawcett, you are very welcome to the Gilded Thread. And I'm feeling very lucky that you're here. And I know I'm lucky you're here because (laughs) is it true that your season has just been brought forward (laughs) with Fawcett Circus? We're starting out next week, apparently, for the uh, bank holiday weekend. But um, I didn't want to miss the opportunity of having a chat to you about costumes and clothes and things I thought it was a wonderful idea so I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled here. and when we first spoke on the phone and I said I don't suppose would this be of interest and you and I we could have recorded the conversation then absolutely. and there because we were getting giddy with excitement so um no I'm thrilled because there's so much I know obviously you are ringmistress of Fossil Circus and everyone would know you for that um and there's so much exciting kind of story behind that that I'd love to hear as well but with everything we're going to look at it through your memories through your clothing memories absolutely um, and I suppose I wanted to start I was about to say pre-circus but I don't think you're like no, there is pre-circus no, there is, is there I was born into the circus world which is perfect so I was born into sequins and feathers <laughs> so don't be surprised that it has come through my whole life with me but my earliest memories were of my mother and mommy would wear these my mother used to present the horses like the liberty horses at the time and she was very stylish and she wore these beautiful 1950s evening gowns wow so they are my first memory and the treats for the horses were sugar lumps and she used to have them in a little tiny hand beaded silver bag and that was my job I was about four and I'd go around the back of ring doors with her and it was my job to hold the bag of sugar lumps and bring them around and then she'd pin them with a brooch to her dress and I can actually tell you one of my favorite dresses at the time which was this magnificent full 50s skirt with black net and then multicolored black sequins all over the net and then a blue a chiffon on the neck and two blue things that hung over her back and floated as she walked oh, and I thought it was the most beautiful thing so I think I started very young with my love of glamour you know that so four you were going around having that job and what yeah. was uh, excuse me may I hold you up there yes I was already working at that time because apparently I was brought in in a basket by an elephant when I was 18 months old <laughs> oh my god amazing and there's a photograph to prove it you know that's so funny because when I was thinking about even where you were coming from today or where you grew up and I'm always imagining things when I'm thinking of my guests and doing research and every time I picture you I picture you in the big top <laughs> so the fact that you were in a basket yeah, in a baby yeah. basket in I the big top and riding an elephant at five a photograph again to prove it I don't remember that but what I did my life has just been a, a, in my opinion a full circle because I started in the circus and then I went off and became a singer and then I came back to the circus so but it was always in the entertainment world so I've just come a full circle I just came a full circle and came back to where I began and always so glamorous and expressing yourself through style I suppose your mom's dresses that you were speaking about there 
what was who was making them or where was she sourcing them do you remember I know no? yes and I know she used to get them in Dublin and if she could then she'd get them and there wouldn't have been as great a choice I'd say like they wouldn't have been off the rail as you do now mm-hmm. you can buy these incredible sequin dresses off the rail then you couldn't and uh, she also had a dressmaker who used to make them for her uh, as well but as I said, as I grew up, as I grew up myself then and became a performer in the circus, then it was the same thing. My costumes were always beaded or, you know, sequined or, you know, whatever. And because you were exposed to the glamour so early, was there also kind of a ritual before the performance that that you would watch someone get ready, let's say? Was there always your mom's um, yeah. style that and you were myself. kind of impressed by and yourself? And, and, and myself. Because then my mother trained me. Because my mother was a circus artist. She came here as a circus artist. And so she trained me. And then when I became an artist, and she taught me always a simple rule. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. Yeah. And it, the attention to details, what makes it. To this day, I think the difference between a professional and an amateur is tiny things. You know, it, it's not the big things, it's the little things. It's the costume, it's the, it's the whole thing put together. And, um, you know, that has, I've kept that through my whole life as well. So always getting ready, putting your makeup on, you know, making sure your hair. And I also carried that through when I became a singer. And then I joined uh, Sheba, Sheba, as you know. And it was the same thing. I brought a lot of the ideas of, you know, glamour and sequin and costumes and things to the girls. <laughs> you know, I, I'm guilty for quite a lot of things. So, you know, and when I was with Sheba, we had a wonderful woman, Taffy Miller. She uh, lives in America now. Taffy made everything. She was a dress designer. She was married to Danny Doyle, who was a very famous uh, Irish singer. And uh, she made everything that Sheba wore. And she has, my nephew now says, is well like Destiny's Child, and <laughs> so it would be the same but different, you know. Yeah. And she made everything for us. And again, I brought in the influence of you know, let's be a bit glam here. Yeah. And people laugh at what we wear, you know, when they see us on on video and all now. But at the time, we were on trend because it was the eighties, you know, and the, you know, the boots and the space things, you know. So I wouldn't laugh at all. I th- I thought you were very ahead of your time, we and were. I was thinking to myself, you know, there's there's that part. Um, the three of you wearing the same but different, yeah. you know, and I thought yeah, yeah. exactly like Destiny's yeah. Child, but also there was Lady Gaga vibes or yeah. even Roisin Murphy now, Absolutely. the way that she yeah. would express herself yeah, through yeah. clothing Absolutely. as well. But I might bring you back a little bit um, before we delve further into Sheba, just to find how you got to there, because I have read so much about your life in the circus and I've read so much uh, to Sheba and I had a one-year-old in a nappy who was twerking to, um, to horoscopes <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, exactly. So it's been all the music in our house lately yeah. um, and I love it. Yeah. Um, but there was so much more people talk about Sheba being a Eurovision band yeah. but you were a, a band before that yeah, no, I we were, understand we, we were, no we were an actual we were a show band show band yeah we started as a show band yeah exactly <laughs> so we we trucked around this country for many of it like seven years you know we were on the road like, because you know. that to me when I think of show bands I obviously think of all the men in the yeah, show yeah. bands yeah, and, yeah, and I yeah. think of a completely different style and I think of where they're performing yeah. and I, I was thinking to myself Sheba must have been making a serious entrance you know yeah, when they were yeah. arriving to these yeah. places but I suppose I'm wondering you know when you were looking at the glamour of your mom and, and you were born into the circus so mm-hmm. I don't know was the excitement still palpable for you was there a certain energy that you knew was special or is if that's your everyday life well, yeah, is it, it hard it, to detach it is I was actually when I was younger quite shy in myself so I always felt performing I said I became I never as I said I didn't start as a diva I became a diva <laughs> and uh, so when I, she was created which is always when I put the makeup on and I put the costume on and everything then then all of a sudden it was you know the confidence was there to go out and to do it the f- hardest thing I found but I always wanted to be a singer I had this 
not this urge, but I always thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to be a singer? And I used to put on my costume and I would mime to Diana Ross in the mirror and go, wouldn't it be fabulous if I, you know. So I, I always, always were wearing sequins and, or, or diamonds when, <laughs> of I, course. when I did it. And then the universe has an, is an amazing thing in that if you wish for something, you would be very surprised at how it comes back to you. Mm-hmm. So at one point, the circus we used to do, the Kilkenny Beer Festival, and I went to a cabaret in the Kilkenny Beer Festival and we went to the show and Maxie Dick and Twink were the group mm-hmm. of to do the entertainment. And I sat there going, wouldn't it be wonderful to be up there singing now with those girls? And within a decade, not only was I in a three girl group, I was in a three girl group with Maxie. With Maxie. That's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. So I had that, you know, yearning to do it. So what happened was it was basically technically a health issue. So I started having trouble with my, my back and I went to a specialist and he said, you really need to stop what you're doing because, you know, you'll be quivered by the time you're 40. I was 21. You should think of a second, another career. And I'm going, I don't know what I could do. And a very good friend of ours at the time was a singer called Candy Devine. She was a jazz singer. Her husband was her manager. And she said, why don't you sing? And I'm going, I can't sing. She said, of course you can sing. I always hear you singing. Why don't you sing? So she sat me down at the piano with, a, with a Jim Doherty, a very famous jazz piano player, and said, can she sing or can't she sing? <laughs> so I did like, not an audition, but like a, and he said, yeah, she can sing a tune, blah, blah, blah. So before I knew where I was, between Candy, my mother, and Donald McLeod, I was a singer. And he handed me a letter and said, there's your first gig you're singing so I started as a solo singer and what age were you at that stage I was about 20 but I'm interested that your mom was was instrumental in that because I wondered was there a um was there ever a tug between the two between the because I imagine a circus to us is all so exciting and otherworldly but I imagine it's steeped in tradition so I don't know are your family very keen that you would stay in that environment or did they see something in you that they said of course I was I love it was the strangest thing is a lot of um, relations, other relations thought I was I was abandoning the family when I left, so I got a bit of slack. But strangely enough, not from my family because my father was a wonderful singer. Right, like okay. it doesn't come from nowhere. My mother can hold a tune. When she used to iron, she was used to be singing to the desert song, and I'd hear her <laughs> singing all the. My dad. That's had like the most extraordinary voice. thing about that is picturing her ironing because yeah, I'm still yeah, picturing yeah, yeah, the yeah, 50s yeah, sequences yeah, yeah, she's yeah. doing. No, mommy, <laughs> mommy did all the normal things. Women had very hard in circus. Yeah. Women, it, it was no difficult. Not only did she raise five children on the road, my mother, she also looked after at the time like 47 animals. You know what I mean? Because she was wow. in charge of the zoo and you know elephants and whatever. Five foot two, she is my mother. Tiny little strong woman, you know. So, uh, but they encouraged me. And then I did cabaret and hated it. Hated it. What did you hate about it? Because I had to talk. I wasn't used to talking to people. So I had to stand out there and go, hello, you know, and chat to people between songs and everything. So I was very nervous about that and quite shy. Mm. I I hadn't become the diva I am yet Mm. at the time. So I found that. So anyway, they were auditioning for Jesus Christ Superstar in 1974. And I said to Donald, I want to audition for Jesus Christ Superstar. And he said, why? I said, just I don't want to do it. And I auditioned for Jesus Christ Superstar and got it. That's incredible. Yeah, I did Jesus Christ Superstar. So we toured Ireland with with Jesus Christ Superstar. I was one of the soul girls, Jesus Christ Superstar. And I met... um, Nicola Kerr, who is still my best friend now, we were 20, I was 21 at the time. And after that, we did some backing vocals for a rock band called Rodeo. 
and I joined the rock band <laughs> called Rodeo. So I toured around as a rock singer for quite a while as well. So I had a full circle of things. And then one day in the paper, there was uh, the time there was this magazine called, you're all probably too young to remember, called Spotlight. It was like, um, it would be... The talent kind of yeah, search it, no, magazine. It was like, um, it was like for the industry. So mm-hmm. it, it was like a magazine for the industry. And uh, in it was an ad and it said, wanted uh, singer-dancers to form group. And a friend of mine at the time said, you'd be perfect for that. Why did you go? And I said, I don't. So anyway, I did. And uh, needless to say, got it. And that was the formation of Sheba. So that's how I started. So I'd gone from being a solo singer into joining the girls. And then, of course, the next 10 years I was with Sheba, you know. But I did carry the circus thing because I always wore amazing gunas. You know, to me, it was to do with the glamour. So I was always a glamorous singer. You know, I didn't come up in jeans. I always had the long sequin dresses and, you know... Because this was, I was just about to ask you if you would tell me from kind of, because you're talking about at 20 going on to uh, becoming a solo singer. Mm -hmm. So prior to that, what were you wearing in in your, what part were you taking in the circus and what were you wearing? I was a tightrope walker. I was an artist at the time. I wasn't ringmaster or ringmaster. I was a circus artist. So I was doing a tightrope act. I was doing aerial work because it was a family circus and you'd sort of changed all the time. So I did nearly everything. I did bareback riding. I did uh, assisting other acts as well. And I did a balancing act, you know, uh, as well. So I would wear, you know, sparkling leotards. But I always, <laughs> I used to hate just walking in and didn't like anyone just walking in wearing your leotard. So my mother made me, I had these fabulous long coats and I would ponce in in a long coat. I also learned very young that if you walked around and you did a drama for a few minutes, you killed time very well. <laughs> and everyone thought you were wonderful by the time you took the coat off and did something. So I had slip-on uh, diamante shoes and then I'd ponce around with my lovely coat and then take the coat off and then go into the, the act. So, so the coat was for the entrance. The entrance. Darling, one of us always make an entrance. That's very good advice yeah. though because you're kind of, you're telling your story very quickly, aren't you, when you arrive somewhere? Thank you. Yeah, but uh, I'm sorry to say that that is very no longer the case in circus world now. And you can thank Cirque Soleil for that. They invented lycra with nothing on it. Oh so yeah, I, I get terribly upset when I see show if I don't see a bit of sparkle. So I'm going, oh look, their costumes are nice. That means that there's a bit of sparkle on their costumes. <laughs> so and what so I the did, power of costume. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely. knew that very young. No, absolutely, and the power of how you. Plus the fact, if someone is paying to see a performer. They don't want to see them wearing what they can see in the street themselves. I've always thought about that, you know. Yeah, I think that all the time. And I think half the time when I'm really become kind of obsessed by a performer in any way, it's as much the clothes. And I suppose through to kind of movies or anything like that, there's a reason that people, there's rewards for, you know, costumes and everything like that as well. Because the clothes, in my opinion, tell as much of a story as the actual acting or the performance as well. So that's fascinating. So you obviously needed different outfits for all of those things. Mm -hmm. I love that you're just throwing in that you were trapeze and Mm tightrope and everything. So that's something that you were trained in from very young by the by the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, Was it scary? Um, No, because it's what I did. I was born into um, a circus family, Mm. you know, so that's what you did. And at the time I was the first, because I'm the eldest of the family, so Mm. I was the first girl, you know, so whenever they needed an assistant, like, you know, remember, and I hate snakes and there was a snake act and they needed, we did always productions and I had to hold a snake. So it would be, or 
a bicycle that came with they needed an assistant because he had to throw stuff and he, my dad would say she'll do it <laughs> he was a great one for saying Marion will do it Marion will do it so before Marion knew where she was she was doing four acts in the show do you know what I mean but it was just what I did like unfortunately I had to go to school like everybody else so uh, we stayed behind my grandmother so we had to stay behind because Ireland is the only country that doesn't in, in Europe when the circuses they have a, the the government give teachers to teach them and they have travel the teachers travel with them you know yeah well but I would have assumed that that was the case no actually. here they didn't so we stay behind and did, so, did um, the kids in school treat you differently because you were a faucet well uh, I went to my mother bless her thought if she gave me a good education that it would mean something to me so she sent me to Loretta Convent Fox Rock and in the same class as myself was uh, Sheila de Valera so what? I'm ashamed to say that they would hold up Sheila de Valera of what a Loretto pupil should be and they'd hold me and my friend Margaret Goulding up as what you shouldn't be, you know, because Why? I would did, I didn't want to be there really. You know, I, if I'm honest, they had a terrible time with me because I really didn't want to be there. I wanted to be on the road with the circus. So my mother used to go off and we'd join up for the summer and then have to come back, you know. But, yeah, but you have to have an education. Transition. That Very is a hard, hard transition. transition. And I so. wanted to be there. So in the end, how I got away with it in the very end then, I was of, of an age when you could leave school. Like, I, I didn't want to go to college. And, and my, I was practicing my title back. And I was, what I was trying to do was get the act ready for the season and do my homework. And I said to my dad, and I said, well, it's like this. I said, I really, it's ridiculous. I'm practicing at midnight by the time I come back. Because, you know, secondary, you you know, homework. I, I can't do this. If you want the act ready, <laughs> so, I won't be ready if I have to just. So that's how I ended up getting away from school. So I left school young enough to finish my title back to be ready for the season. Yeah, but so. I can't imagine trying to go from a circus to school and yeah. then think like that you care about. My friends you all know, thought it was cool. But maths. you see, I didn't see the big deal. There was another friend of mine. Her parents owned a shop. And at the weekend, she helped out in the shop. Mm. The weekends, I helped out in the circus. Like, this is what I did. It mm. is what my family did. It was no big deal. It was to everyone else saying, my God, you have a circus. You live in a circus. And I'm going, yeah. And to this day, and all through my career and through my life, when I traveled and I sang all over the world, if I said I'm going home, it was always to the circus. To the I've circus. always considered the circus, the show, to be home because that's where they'd be. And back in the day, the the route, as we would call it, would be nearly day to day. I would know where the family, where the circus was at what particular day. Like it's different now with changes of places and all. But back in the day, like your route would be the same yeah. every year. You know, you would be in Dungarvan at this day and y'all. And, you know, and I'd know where they were. Yeah. And that would be, if I went home, I would be going to see them on yeah. the show on the circus well I always think that as well you know um, you'd nearly be able to tell the time of year depending on when you'd see Fawcett set up in yes, a different exactly. part of the exactly. country yeah. you know exactly. um, and there was such yeah. huge excitement but I remember I'd be thinking and particularly if you saw the vans coming in like I'd yeah. be getting goosebumps thinking what kind of life is that yeah. you know because yeah. it is something that so few will ever experience yeah. Yeah. and I wanted to ask you something different from, from, from the clothing for a minute but one of the things that fascinates me about the circus is people that marry into the circus mm -hmm. because is it true that there's people that have married into your circus and mm -hmm. going you know mm -hmm. uh, love stories that have made the family happen um, that were already let's say artists themselves but is it true that a bank clerk married in and then became a performer or am yeah, I making no, that up? No you're not my, my sister-in-law Therese she was a wages clerk and uh, met my brother Eddie 
and uh, married and joined the circus and at one point of, of our life was a trapeze <laughs> that is <laughs> and a tightrope walker amazing that's amazing <laughs> yeah. and would there be that expectation like tell you what come in no. and get some training no, or it's just no, no it's just it's, it's you're in the environment yeah you're in the environment you know that is like so my mother drove a tro- drove used to drive she's my mother's 90 now and that's the reason we went on tour last year because mother the, the pandemic really depressed her mm. so there was a they did a grant for um, performance grant so we said let's just go we did a short tour a little 10 week tour and took mother with us uh, last year and she was going I could drive my truck and we're going no there's no need for you to do that mommy you know, she's not I don't see why not I still have my driving license oh you know? I so, love her but that's the spirit you have yes. to have that spirit or you don't do it but she was she was one of the first women around to get a HDV license you know really yeah. she used to drive her own truck and Therese drove her own that's yeah my, my sister she drove her own truck for years so like it's just it's of an environment you come into uh, we're very similar to farmers i had a chat with a dairy farmer the other day you work seven days a week 24 hours a day if you have to you know what i mean yeah if you have animals you have to look after them all year yeah. and you're weather dependent so you know it's the <sighs> same there is no other form of entertainment that is as hard yes as a circus yeah. now our job is to create an illusion for you yeah. that this is a wonderful life and that's what the magic is the reality of it is it is really really difficult and hard because as my my friend and an actress Catherine she said you have to build your venue when you get there so <laughs> yes. that's what you have to do so you have to drive at night time you can't drive in the morning we used to back in the day we would drive in the morning like five or six o'clock road rage no chance now so we do on a pull down day we will do two performances take the big top down and move on the same night to our next site so that you wake up the following morning in situ so that could be like a complete like you know 12 hour evening to do that and then the first thing you do is you have to put your tent up and build it up in time for the performance but you don't see that you just come and it's showtime and it's music going and ta-da ta-da and it's all wonderful but the work we have gone through to do that is can be horrendous sometimes because you'll arrive on a site it's flooded I've been able to get pumps. I've had to, one of the most important things of my life is a water pump to pump water out of of the the ring before you start. Like you don't know that by the you time you get there, we've yeah. done all that. You it's know, the swan oh, in this syndrome. weather, you're walking around in this weather. You're you know. Torrential rain, wellies. So you haven't taken wellies off of this year, you know. I was just thinking that we um, feel hard done by when we're arriving in the rain at Electric Picnic and setting up a tent, and then having to pack it up on the other side. Electric Picnic is somewhere that I saw you guys perform, and I remember we had been, we'd been there from very early the day before. We were over eager, you know. We were kind of um, 10 p.m. giddy at 1 p.m. and we continued through the night, and we had such a good time. We had loads of things. Then the next day, I was like, "Oh, what will we do?" And we were like, "Oh, we'll go to the circus." And I swear, I was so entertained and engaged, but it was also felt um it felt daring but wholesome it was such a a strange um act because there's not many you could say about that and i looked around and there were different families and lots of different ages absolutely everyone enthralled it was very good for the soul but it was also so impressive and inspiring but what happened was the the late john reynolds arrived up and said i want you for the picnic and i my exact words are you mad we're a traditional irish circus what is an electric picnic he said remember one thing every person in this country between the age of 20 and 42, has been to see Fawcett Circus at some point of their life. My father and my uncle took me to see you. I want them to turn around the corner and go, oh my God, it's Fawcett Circus. <laughs> and that's exactly what and happened. That's exactly what happened. And we were extremely concerned that it wouldn't work because we thought, you know, this is, you know, this is an electric picnic. And 
It did work. 15 years we're now part of Electric Picnic. Is that picnic. what it is? Yeah. 15 years? 15 wow. years we're part of Electric Picnic. And that's exactly what happens. And my favourite memory of Electric Picnic is this young fellow coming out of his tree <laughs> with a bottle of beer and he said, I never thought that the highlight of the picnic for me would be a circus. <laughs> True. And we have families, as you say, that they're waiting. They, every year they come and they, they have the children of the wheelbarrows. I love that they bring yeah. the kids around the wheelbarrows. And Thank it's you. part of their picnic is to come and see see us. Because I meet and greet after every show, and I have done for the last like 23 well, years. I didn't know I that have. when I was at the picnic. I'll know yeah, next no, time. I meet and greet every show everywhere in the country after every performance. I meet and greet on the way out. Is that something <laughs> that you had watched your family do or is it something that you brought to No, the it's something service? I brought to it. I always think if, if people come and pay to see you perform for a, a couple of hours and they've supported you and keep you on the road because they support you, the least you can do is say thank you. Mm. So I'm always there to say, you know, goodbye and I'll pose for photographs or, you know, whatever. I just think it's mannerly. And well, I also think that. it's magic, you know, <laughs> that people would have that memory of, of seeing someone perform and particularly, you know, your ring mistress yeah, now yeah. And, and, um, yeah, but, and you're the <laughs> compare and command. There's a downside to that because I have this woman come and she says, she's been taking photographs with you every year since she's two. <laughs> she's got, oh, this child is now 12. <laughs> There's all these photographs of me <laughs> getting older <laughs> as this child gets bigger. You know, gas. so I have that. But I love it. And what I love it is that we're generations entertaining generations. I love that because yeah. women come say, my mother took me and I'm bringing my kids, you know. Yeah. And that's, I think, what keeps us going, keeps us alive, you know, is because of that. So. And when you are um, thinking about what your costumes are going to be, mm -hmm. obviously it has changed from when you were mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. a different type of artistry, mm -hmm. I suppose, and now you would be mm -hmm. uh, ringmistress. Mm -hmm. I know that you get very excited. You're always... Um, wearing you're working with your friend all the time collaborating yeah. on designs aren't yeah. you how often are you changing your costumes one of the biggest influences of my life ever was Cher and it's a, it's a cliche <laughs> but I fell in love with Cher when I saw her wearing her beaded bag, Bob Mackie dresses and yes. that was the start and she always said never be seen wearing the same thing twice and I've kept that through my entire career Happy. I will never be seen the same so I change actually three times in a, a performance so I'll do the first half of the show in a top hat red yes. top hat and tails and then I found the red top hat <clears throat> I embellished my hat I've developed my own style as a ring mistress because I'm going well I'm a woman I can wear what I like so if I'm going to wear a top hat there's going to be bling on it so I what I do so um Simon O'Mahony calls me darling darling so <laughs> I do the hats so for example I was at electric picnic and I found a purple top hat and I went ta-da <laughs> to sign and he went oh my god we have to do a purple coat so uh we waited like six months till he found the exact color purple sequin. And I now have this magnificent purple sequin tailcoat that matches my purple my purple hat. And then I embellish the hat. So I'll always have, you know, a hat band and I'll, because I, I can bead. I can't sew a straight line, but I'm a really good hand beader. Brilliant. And um, I will embellish the hat. So that's my style. Every hat, I, I can't bear a plain hat so if I'm wearing a blingy coat you look silly so that's my style I've developed more so than any other ring mistress mm, I think yeah. is that my hats are always embellished so there's always something on my hats and it's always like a match darling it's matching so <laughs> I always have like a matching hat to the coat so I have boxes of of hats now I know not everybody else does that but this is the thing back to a professional amateur yeah the thing that bugs me is when I see bad top hats when people don't have a good top hat <laughs> and I go oh, darling the top hat's all wrong so you know that's the thing I'm really fussy it has to be a good a nice fit in proper top hat and then 
you embellish it or a hat band. I always have a matching hat band or something. And is it um is there a change once you put the hat on? Do you feel okay it's performance time? Yeah. Like how much of it informs your energy when yeah. you put on a costume? Well, when I was well, as a singer, I still sing. Yeah. So, as a singer, funny enough, it was the shoes. Oh, really? Because I put on high because I now I can't wear high, you know, I don't wear high high heel shoes anymore when I'm, you know, on the ringmaster because you're in whatever but when I was doing cabaret I'd have the high shoes and I'd always have long beaded goon and then I'd put on the shoes and that would give me the extra height and I'd say she's ready you know with the ring mistress it's the hat once I put the the last thing I put on is the hat so I'll do the face and do everything and the coat goes on and then the hat goes on and when the hat goes on and I fix the hat I go it's ready for action she's ready to go you had mentioned that um actually you you were uncomfortable with the, um because you were shy when you were going into cabaret yeah. you didn't really want to do the talking yeah. so did you feel that the clothing was sort of an armor to help you oh, through absolutely, that process? absolutely absolutely yeah. and but but it was very funny because it went against me because <laughs> i had worked in a floor show in london as well i have done and i have had an amazing career of sort of but i'm a sagittarian and i've always believed that my career has suited me because you know it's been different and varied yeah i, I don't think i ever could have been a nine to five person because i don't think it's in me yeah and uh, my best friend is Catherine brennan is an actress she always said you know something if the wild west you and i would have been the saloon girls we wouldn't have been the pioneers <laughs> <laughs> you know so but she's also Sagittarian yeah. and Anna Heffern is another one she's a Sagittarius so all these Sagittarius but I think it's you know, it's that it's always suited me so I've liked the fact that my life has been varied so I worked at a floor show for a while um, in the UK as a special actor and as a showgirl and, and singer and sorry now what, it, it, explain to me a floor show when you say floor in, show back in the day a floor show would have been it would have been dancers, singers, comedians and then we went into the hotels, like the, the major hotels, like the Ritz and uh, Claridge's and all in the UK, and we would put on a cabaret performance. So would, they would it be it like a, a variety show? show yeah, and with, with girls with feathers, with proper showgirls. Right, okay. They, they don't really do that now, but they, they did then. Yeah. And uh, so when I came to start doing cabaret in Ireland, I my head was cabaret in the UK. Oh, you had already done that. Okay. Right. And I came back and I thought, but the difference in Ireland is it wasn't the same. So I was sometimes a little too overdressed and blingy and gorgeous is there for, such a thing a no I didn't think so <laughs> but you'd have them saying you know who does she think so as Twig said to me what did she say uh, I lowered I lowered my standard and raised my skirts you know <laughs> so I started you know change the program and, and then slowly but then after I went away and did Sheba you know, for all those years, and, and I came back to singing as a solo singer, I was a completely different person, because I had the experience, I wasn't shy anymore, and I went back and said, if I'm going to wear, this is me, me, I wear beaded dresses, this is me, mm-hmm. and I went back in full, don't care if I'm overdressed for the gig, do yeah. you know what I mean, and um, I found it a, a completely different experience, because then I, I was, I had you know, learned to talk and do everything. So actually then it was no bother. So I went on as a solo singer until I went back to the circus after Sheba broke up yeah. quite happily. And, and you're still singing. Yeah. yeah. And employed by uh, particularly the Bramer Rooms because she loved what I wore. So she used oh, to yes. say, you're always glamorous. So, you know, again, the bling never left me. Yeah, you know? it's the power of the clothing. Yeah, I think so. Well, let's talk about Sheba. Okay. I was trying to hold, sit on my hands about it because okay. I do find it very exciting, all the, um, all the costumes. Mm. And... Um, 
you know, you would have been in my conscience anyway. You know, I would I would have known the music and I would have known the clothing and 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 obviously um, people and would associate with the Eurovision. you with Eurovision, as we Absolutely. said. But tell me a bit about when you were first put together and how it came to be you three ladies. I know there was an audition process. Yeah. Um, and were you the first three selected? Did they was there any such thing as like a chemistry test? Do they want to know how you were together at that stage? We were. No, Maxie and I were the first the first two. Mm-hmm. And then we had a, a girl from the UK and she just she, she didn't fit i just didn't think she fit anyway something happened with management and she left she didn't want to be part of it anymore mm-hmm. and then um uh, what happened was that our manager at the time mick quinn said there's a girl from the north and her mother sent me her tape and she's looking and i think she might be so we had a look and it was francis and as soon as francis we looked right we didn't look right when we when we had the other girl her favorite singer at the time was doris day which I adore. She's an incredible singer. Yeah. But her look was very Doris Day. Okay. Yeah. And we were trying to be a pop group, you yes. know? Yes. In the late 70s, early 80s. And it just wasn't, you know what I mean? And we hadn't found our style at the time. And then Frances, Frances was the youngest. There's only a couple of years between us, but she yeah. was the, and all of a sudden we looked right. Yeah. It was like, you know, young and we all, the one thing about Sheba, what, People don't really. We were all really good singers, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in, in a you know an egotistical way. But we were good singers, so our harmonies were spot on. And as we were together longer and longer, we were it was a joy, you yes. know. And the, we did. We went on. We did, we were very successful in the UK, and that we did at the time. A lot of people don't know that because at the time, in RT, you had RT one, you know, RT two. You didn't have the ITV. You know, that's yeah. all you had. <laughs> and um, we were huge in the UK. So we had ITV and we went over. So we did all the top black floor shows, as in the variety the shows. The shiny floors. The shiny yeah. floor shows <laughs> yeah, yeah. in in the UK. Yes. We did Seaside. We'd, I worked with Tommy Cooper. You yeah. know, we did Tommy Cooper. We did Seaside Special. And then we got a TV series called Name That Tune, which with Tom yeah. O'Connor. Like, you know, we did an amazing amount of television work because we were three good-looking girls, you know. Yes. And Gay Byrne loved us. Like, every time, we were always on the Late Late Show. If we had a new single, we just had to say, uh, Gay, or any reason, like, he'd say, we'd have the girls and we would be doing the, you know, the Late Late Show because we looked, we were good television, you know. Yes. So we worked an awful lot in the UK. Did you enjoy the UK more than Ireland or were they completely different? Are they comparable? Here's the thing. Because there was no Ryanair, so we were based in Dublin. Our, the, the agent in the UK wanted us to move over there. And we said, why would we do that? So we had a band here. So we worked extreme. We used to fly over to do the TV shows and fly back. It cost us a fortune because it was three return flights, you know, yeah. like 600 quid. Wow. But it was all to do with, you know, exposure and doing yeah. the gigs. And we didn't half the time tell them that we were coming from Ireland because there were so many other groups, the Nolans and everything they could have got. Yes. So if they gave us a gig, we'd say, we'll be there. You know, when do you want us? We'll be there. We'll be fine. And then we'd figure out how to get there in yes. time for the gig, you know, and stuff like that. But um, and Seaside Special was brilliant. Shaking Stevens, everybody was on. It was great fun. And Maggie Moon was on that Seaside Special. And we ended up then working with Maggie on Name That Tune. But it was really hard work, you know. So I remember meeting Daniel O'Donnell on the plane once. And he said, what's your hardest day? I said, I'll tell you my hardest day. I said, I said we flew over to Holland. We did pre-recorded two songs in the morning. When we flew back into Dublin, the band van was waiting for us at the airport. We got into the band van. We drove to Cork. We did a two-hour dance from 12 to 2 a.m. in Cork. We drove back to Dublin, and we had to be an RTE for orchestra rehearsal by half past nine the following morning. Wow. 
Who was doing the planning? Now sing. <laughs> now, now sing. Yeah, exactly. Now sing. And for, that for you, did you feel, well, there's momentum, so we'll keep going? Or was there any resistance on your part? Were management putting, putting all those gigs in? Or did you think, use it or lose it? Use it or lose it. But plus the fact I was going, what are you complaining about? We're going home to sleep at night. It was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I had, been used, it was like nothing to me because I'd done, uh, you know, my life on a circus. So I know what it was like, yes. you know. And it was, we'd all had the same, it's work ethic, you know. Yes. Maxie was the same, very professional. And, and she had toured you know, previously and, yeah, absolutely. as well. So, and Francis the same. And you knew this is what you have to do, you know, if you want to do it. And it was all to, you know, get the name out there and do it. And it was part of what you had to do. You know, mm. that's why the likes of Steps and everybody, when they break up because they're going, we're so tired. And I'm going, is that not what you wanted? You know what I mean? Yeah. And what happened then? Nothing, they're gone. You know what mm. I mean? You have to do it while you're doing it, you know? And a bit of hard work never killed anybody, you know? And did you feel, um, am I right in saying there was um, kind of, it was equal parts, the three of you throughout mm-hmm. that. There wasn't necessarily a lead singer. No, no. No, there no, wasn't. No. Do you think that that was one of the secrets to success? Um, I don't know. We all, our voices were different. Yeah. So we learned the songs that suited each girl. So it wasn't just always one girl doing lead. Yeah. We, we, we swapped lead, mm. you know. And that's apparent when you're looking at the yeah. videos and everything, but yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure was there. Because yeah. I do think sometimes no. that... Um, I tell you what did happen. Yes. We found our blend and then we never changed that. Okay. And it was just really strange at the time. So it would be, which is really weird, because it would be me doing the top, because now I'm like an alto. You okay, know, my voice yeah. dropped over the years. But me on the top, Maxie in the middle and Francis in the bottom. And in the end, we didn't need, we knew instinctively and we knew exactly the blend for the harmonies would be yes. that's where our best sound was and one of the most beautiful things I think we ever did was at the Late Late Show we did Carolina Moon with just a piano Oh, gorgeous. on the Late Late Show and someone sent that to me because everything's on the internet now yeah, I know. Uh, lately and I thought that's really good it was beautiful was that unusual blends. to be allowed to do that to do something just with um, piano you know where they were, I always imagined with TV certainly in the past few decades that it was quite controlled what they were going to um, yeah. no, air no, yes but sometimes if that's what we wanted to do then you know I, I and you want, had the relationship yeah. there as but well. as a solo singer as well I did the same there was like we had a lot of more variety in the afternoons on the television than there is now. Yes. It's, it's, it's chatting and whatever. But in yeah. those days, like, um, we'd go in and they'd ask me to go in and sing a song. Mm. And I would do that. I would have just a piano player. Like, I remember being asked to do, it was one of the wedding shows in the afternoon. And I did uh, When I Fall in Love uh, mm. by Nack and Cole with just a piano. And it was really beautiful, you know, and there was no issue. You didn't have to, Gorgeous. you know. Yeah. But nowadays, it's everyone wants backing tracks and, Yes. Stuff like that, you know, because it's easy. You just press a button. You don't have to worry about putting the piano in. Yeah. Like, I understand. When the studio started as well, because I've written songs myself too. And um, my friend is a drummer. And I said, I don't need a drummer because it's hard. (laughs) What do you mean you don't need a drummer? Because you can do it all without without you. (laughs) Without you, Jimmy. So I don't, what do you know what a drummer? And uh, I did one of the songs for, one of my ambitions was I had a, done the national song concert it was called for years yes. and years in all sorts of forms as the girls and actually coming to it one of the things I, you asked about was an outfit that i regretted or that i never want <laughs> yes because this i had said it. would there right. be a couple of things you might get thinking this about in one of them so anyway i decided then after we broke up with sheba i was asked to sing a song on the national song contest called only a fantasy written by somebody else. And I said, yes, I would. And I had planned to wear a beautiful uh, long black skirt with a top made by Taffy Miller, black and silver lace off the shoulder, stunning hair. 
And I went to a fashion show, and at the time there was a diner called John Hockaday was his name, and on the fashion show was this fan-pleated dress in like a grape uh, taffeta with these big 80s, yes. big 80s shoulders. And I went, and, and a, a belt of black satin. And I went, oh, wouldn't that be fabulous with the song, Only a Fantasy? Yeah. So John gave me the dress to wear. And because of the big shoulders, I couldn't have the hair out. So my hairdresser at the time, I said, why don't you do a completely different look? No one's ever seen you. Let's just put your hair up out of the way and stick a thing and you'd be fabulous. And I had a fan and I was doing only a fantasy. I did my own choreography, thought I was fabulous. I look back now at that dress and I go, I shouldn't have worn that dress. I should have worn the black outfit because it fell off one shoulder. The shoulders were too big. And I, that was, and every time I see it, someone says, did you see that? I'm going, I can't look at it. No, what was I thinking? But was that only looking back? Did you feel fabulous at the time? Or were I you thinking fabulous. to yourself, this no, isn't going right? I wasn't sure. Okay. When the hair wasn't out, because the hair, you know, the hair has been the hair. For well, you have the longest, and, most glorious uh, uh, crown. Well, of... it's been, uh, the late great uh, used to call me um, Ireland's answer to Crystal, Derek Davis, Ireland's answer to Crystal Gale, so he used to always call me. Gorgeous. Ireland's answer, here she is, Ireland's answer to Crystal Gale. <laughs> so the hair has always been part of my image. Yes. So it was very strange for me to have it all up out of the way. Yeah. So it was like that whole thing and I'm going, I'm not sure, you know, that I'm not sure. And then of course I was nervous about going out to sing and I'm going, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. But my gut was saying, you should have worn the black one. Yes. But by then it was done, you know. Yeah. And I didn't know until after when I saw the performance that it had slipped, slipped off down. once. Because okay. it was yeah. this wonderful guna. But, yeah. And uh, so that was a, a regret. Anyway, having done that, having done the Eurovision, I wanted to um, enter a song myself. I wanted to sing my own song. So, and just for anyone that doesn't know, that's the song contest to choose the song so to for go Eurovision. to yeah. who, Eurovision. Who will represent Ireland Absolutely. in Eurovision. Yes. Now, I didn't care if I won it or not because I had already done the Eurovision. Yes. I didn't win the Eurovision, but I had the pleasure of singing for my country and no one will ever take that from yes. me. 1981, it was moi. So I said, but I really like to go in and sing someone else's song. So um, I entered and entered and... I didn't get through. And then I did a Christmas show with Johnny Logan. And I said, I keep sending songs in. And, um, you know, they're not getting through. And he said, let me give you a tip, dear. He said, you need to do the full track. You need to do it as if you were releasing it. So they hear it with the band. It's all very well saying, just send in a tape or send in the sheet music. Were you just sending it? How, what form were you sending it I was it sending in? in just a tape with the, and they used to ask just in, back in the day, sheet music, you know, right. so someone would play it and just a basic tape. Okay. He said, you need to do Perform it. the whole thing. Because he said, if you get through, you have to go on Kenny Live anyway, mm -hmm. and they'll use the backing track. So you may as well do the whole thing. Okay. So I went in with Peter Reeves, who was Jump the Gun, who had also done the Eurovision, and he did the whole thing. This is when they came in. No drummer. He played the drums on the piano. <laughs> 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 I said, I don't need you, Jimmy. Why? Because he's played the drums on the piano. Because, <laughs> you know, technology has got yeah. better and better and better. And Peter Reeves did the entire thing from his piano. So anyway, lo and behold, it got through. And I did get, it was 96, I got to sing my own song in the, at that, by that time it had changed from the National Song Contest to Eurosong. Eurosong, yes. Eurosong. Yeah, yeah. And I wore a short black beaded guna. And it's something I'm really proud of because that comes up, because, my, because I don't do internet really and I, you know, I don't do social media. And my nephew said, Auntie Marion, do you know that you're on YouTube? And I said, no. He said, you're on YouTube. I said, really? And if you put in my name, up comes 
my performance and you're a song and that I'm proud of because it was the full orchestra you know with yeah. battle singers it was wonderful it was in the point at the time which yeah. is now what you, I still call it the point I know and it was the full orchestra uh, my family were there and it was a wonderful a moment pleasure. for me so, exactly. you know and, and that and when that comes up I'm going yeah I'm proud of that I'm yes. delighted and Gary Kavner uh, <laughs> he said what are you doing what are you doing with the hair because Peter Marks yes. were doing the hair and I said oh he said Leave it with me. So what he did was he added hair to me as if oh, I didn't wow. have enough hair. <laughs> so he put on these hair feet. So the hair is going like this down to here. It's just how long was it? I, well, and my hair is down to my hips yes. anyway. Yeah. So he had added the top, volume. So he did the high. volume, and so it was just Amazing. so. If you look at it, you'll see it. It's funny. And then and a short black uh, beaded dress. And I didn't win, but it was an amazing. Yeah, experience, you know. And again, what are you going to wear? I'm going to wear black. So as I got older, black, it was black. <laughs> and uh, so it, to this day, it's still important to how you look and what you're doing when you're performing. Yes. You know? And I did a, a gig last uh, last year um, called Showband Memories. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing. I had a dress and I'm going, it's not, it's not wow. It's just not wow enough, you know. And so I said, I'm going to go out. And I don't, I don't need it. I have a row of dresses, but they're just, they're not right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I walked into the shop and there was this dress calling me. And I went, there it is. And it was a completely sequined in the most beautiful electric blue, rushed with a full off the shoulder, long sleeves. And I went, now. And I put it on and I went, now I'm ready. I mean, I, I think that's such an extraordinary feeling. Firstly, that you tr- you've learned to trust your gut, I suppose, over the years yeah. about what's right and what's wrong. But when you get that feeling, when you see something, you think, I just know that that's, that's right. right. And then you put it on and you become. That's it. It's ready. And not only that then, I went walking around and uh, TK Maxx found a pair of blue shoes to match it. And wow. I went and my friend said to me, darling, you shall go to the ball. <laughs> these outfits <laughs> oh I have them I have rails of stuff I throw nothing away yeah I'm a hoarder yeah especially where clothes and costumes are concerned yeah so I have everything and when you look at them can you identify oh yes absolutely where? yeah but I not not only do I just have my own stuff I have also costumes that we've used for like finales for you know the circus as well and yes jackets and whatever and I have I, I don't throw anything away I keep everything I've rails and rails of stuff for and it. who kept the Sheba costumes well I have some of them. Your own pieces. Yeah, my own yeah. pieces. I my, which is one of the funniest stories. We used to have to walk in the show band days through the audience to get to the stage mm-hmm. because a lot of them were just concrete. Yes. Places out in the middle of nowhere. There was no backstage. No backstage. And uh, one, we would be mauled trying to get through <laughs> them, and two, we wanted to keep what we were wearing as a surprise, etc. So me. <laughs> came up with the idea that we would make these clothes because in the circus world, normally if a flying trapeze act comes in, they used to have these wonderful big capes. And I said, we can get a cape done. What do you mean a cape? So we'll do these capes and you put the capes. So Taffy made us these magnificent silver lame capes with these big collars mm-hmm. that went up. So we'd run and we'd walk through, push everyone out of the way and then we'd get up on stage and we would oh, take I off the it. capes. So when Sheba broke up I said um somebody I I sold them to a flight trapeze act <laughs> <laughs> oh that's gorgeous <laughs> I, I said girl 
says, you want those capes? And the boys said, no, I don't think we'd be wearing them again. I said, because I have someone who wants them. And they were sold. So they went on as a second life, as, as, a, as a cape for a flight. But that's my because I always wonder, you know, when you when, when I get any vintage clothing, I think, I wonder what life did this have before? If they knew, I hope yeah. they do know yeah. that, you know, it was inspired yeah. by the yeah. circus. Yeah. Then yeah. it went yeah. touring. Yeah. Then. But I love the drama yeah. of that, of yeah. you all going on stage. And again, yeah. that just adds something that no one else was yeah. doing, doesn't it? Yeah. Who, you, you had said that um, some of you were, Indeed, that was a good example. Um, your experience and upbringing in the circus and your performance informed some of the choices for the outfits. Yes. The outfits were written about so much, your style. Yes. Like they were they were called extravagant, but they were also called risque. Now in 2022, yes. looking at them, they don't look risque to me, but did they make a splash? Were they yes, seen in that way? They were. There was one in particular, we did a week with um, in the Gaiety and Taffy made us, we, we, it was like new romantic look is what mm-hmm. we were going for. So we had three different outfits and various satins and different pieces came off. Okay. It's very clever. Yes. You know, bits came off. And then we did a photo session and we had like the shorts and the thing. And someone said, oh, the underwear shot. And we went, what? what? What do you mean underwear? You look like you're wearing underwear. <laughs> I said, no, we're not. So it was other people's perceiving what we were wearing in a different way to what we did. Yes. But we did distract. I remember when we got the song Horoscopes at the time, we said, let's do Now, I, what we, honestly, we didn't think it was a really strong song, so we had to work on it. This uh, is the song that you were given for yes, the yes. National Song Contest. The way it worked at the to... time, the National Song Contest was the top TAM rating television show of the year. Nothing okay. else topped it. Yeah. So if you were asked to sing Baba Black Sheep on it, you would say yes whenever you're ready. And we sang, I think, four or five times. We did the National mm-hmm. Song Contest. We only won it once, but we were always in it singing someone's song because we were a good choice. So Horoscopes came along and we had done the demo of another song that didn't that we didn't get to sing. And we went, we, was, we did the demo of that song. It should have been our song. So we said, we'll do Horoscopes. So... The consensus of opinion coming from me, I know mostly, let's distract. Yeah. Let's wear something fabulous that they'll take. By the time they realize what we're wearing, the song <laughs> will be over. And Taffy made us these magnificent, one of my favorite outfits, blue and silver. Yes. With yes. these ones with the yes. shoulders. Yeah. With very the, um, uh, with the futuristic. Silver. They, with, it was blue yes. with silver. So they were separate pieces. The, the collars were separate. So what held the shoulders was a collar. It was oh, a collar with right. the silver and then the up the back and it was her idea because my hair wouldn't stay out of the way of the collars so taffy came up it was actually a covered toilet roll oh, the inside of a toilet roll took your was yeah. the start of your ponytail was to, to make it hold out hold my ponytail back out of the way for the collar to go underneath that and we did the same then for the, the eurovision the eurovision you inspired ariana ariana grande i'd Maybe say I now did. then with the, with the, <laughs> with but, the ponytail um, going out the back. and then for the eurovision itself the choice was, well, how do we top that? Now, we were asked if we were wearing green, but we wouldn't say we were wearing, but we did, but it was a very pale ice green. Mm-hmm. And she had done, there was the leotard with all the, uh, sort of a share idea with the strips yes. of the sequins coming. Yeah. And again, a magnificent hand beaded collar that she made. Very ethereal looking, I yes. thought it was. Yeah. But um, the uh, Shay Healy said once, he said, you know, some girls, if the, if you could do the Eurovision in video, that you would just have to take 
the, the video of your Eurovision <laughs> performance and put it in now and show you'd match because <laughs> yeah. now they're all wearing little clothes and yeah. everything so he we were way ahead of but our time but that's what really struck me yeah. whenever I'm way looking ahead. at pictures I think I literally as I said Gaga and all these different yeah. performers are people that I would see at Electric Picnic yeah. and at, um, because there was very much a disco vibe for a lot of oh, what you of were doing oh of course it well. was it was the 80s you yeah know? and also uh, one of our main uh, outfits that we wore quite a lot were was inspired by Flash Gordon. So they were blue uh, lycra all-in-ones with silver out and like flashes. We, we all had different silver flashes on it. Yeah, that's and, what I think is yeah. so clever. Well, they were made, for, one, for a reason, because we were freezing cold as well, doing all the, when the outdoor gigs and the, the ballrooms were yeah. really cold. They had no eating in them. So by having an all-in-one like that, we could layer up underneath if we were cold. And then we had these amazing over-the-knee silver boots. Yeah, made, amazing. Yeah, they, we, they were made in the UK for us oh, okay. by some guy who was making the shoes for Gary Glitter. So, and he made us these boots and we wore the boots. So it worked. Yeah. And then we'd throw the, so we were, we wore those constantly. And then she made us another version, another variation in different colours of the same idea, the all-in-one. So and how much input did you have with, because obviously Taffy has done so much of that. Yeah, she was she clearly incredibly talented. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How did that relationship start actually? For Because she was a friend for a start, a friend of Maxie's, a friend of Danny, okay. she was married yes. to Dan, Danny Doyle yes, and she'd so made so. Maxie's uh, stuff before. So we got Taffy in and then she started and of course, you know, and then we would say, what, well, what if we did this? And what do you think of that? And what do you think? What about that? And then we'd bring ideas, uh, share what was, we did mm-hmm. one outfit that we basically copied. It was an idea she had with a, uh, all in one with bits out of it. And we yeah. would be fab. So Taffy made us three different versions of that. You know, so you did you wear it. the cutouts? Oh yeah. And are they, did There's they a picture somewhere? No, because they were, they were only like cutouts here. They yeah. weren't, you know, made, nothing like shares. Were, yes. So they were like an all in one with just different places with flesh in yeah. it, you know. There's photographs of them somewhere. And, um, and then we did these beautiful ones. She did, they were really pretty. She was very, very talented. So they were uh, all in ones because we found them quite comfortable as well to yeah. wear. So she did these all in ones, three different colors again, but off them came these wings that were like butterfly wings in this beautiful pale gold like net they were really pretty and did you feel fabulous yes in them? absolutely did you all agree on them because oh yes are, yeah isn't yeah, that yeah, great yeah. that you all and have we the had same names, vision yeah we had names for everything too um uh, one of my favorite outfits we we had done we called the savages and she did us i was dressed as, as a red indian uh, maxie was dressed as um like a grecian and francis was like an aztec you know, with this big collar. And we loved them. We had them done for a song that we did um, and we just thought they would be um, perfect, be different. And we did a, you see, we did a TV series with Brennan Grace, which was like 12 weeks. And we had to have a different outfit every week. Because that was, so when you that's say the mistake we made. That's the mistake we made. Because it cost us a fortune because we became very friendly with Bucks Fizz after they won because the, the, they won the Eurovision, Eurovision that yeah, you yeah, went to, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but we came, we came quite pally, and Mike Nolan ended up being a friend for a long time after that too. And what they used to do is, if they had a single, they would have an outfit made for the single, and then every time they performed that single, they wore that outfit. Yes, clever. Okay, yeah. We didn't. Every time we went on TV, we wore something different. 
So we had to have like a string of costumes all the time. Like we went to Holland to do a show. We had to bring six outfits with us because we were supposed to be doing six songs. Yeah. So you know what I mean? It was a... But you know, that's as intriguing as a, and as impressive. I feel like when you were so known for your outfits and for your style and it was something different, I'd nearly have been disappointed if I it saw you wearing the same thing. You know, exactly. Because you had, yeah. you had set yeah. the bar very high. That's, that was our problem. We had set the bar yeah. very high. It was nearly like... Um, like not the same but I remember when X Factor first came and everyone it was at its peak and you'd be waiting to see what Danny Minogue was wearing every yes, week absolutely. that was as much yeah, yeah. to do with it as, yeah, as yeah. the performance yeah, you absolutely. Know? so yeah. when you what do have wearing? that expectation yeah. I'm sure people yeah. were inspired yeah. and kind of emulating you yeah. did you see people kind of try, dressing in, in a similar way or was it too hard to recreate do you think for fans let's say well I will say that we did become gay icons. Yeah. So there were more drag queens dressed as us than there were normal <laughs> Than there were people coming to which, the show balance. <laughs> being honest with you. Which I'm very proud of. Yes, I have to absolutely. Say. I'm absolutely. delighted with you. Uh, Shirley Temple Barr met me once and he said that I inspired, we inspired him to become um, Shirley Temple Barr. Really? Yeah, That's so, so cool. No, I think it's cool. I'm really absolutely delighted, you know. And according to my friend Charles, <laughs> they... Someone showed up in the George quite recently dressed as me. Oh, great. Did you see any photos? No. I'm sure we could chat them down. We're not trying to. Dressed as me in Ring Mistress, full Ring Mistress gear with top. I was just about to say, which was it? Love it. Yeah, me me as Ring Mistress. Yeah, which I love. And how did the style evolve? I'm a drag queen at heart. I think that's what it is, really. (laughs) Because this whole thing, I just, oh, you know, it's that whole persona. Well, it's it's know. flamboyant, doesn't absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah, but, absolutely. But you bring that energy with absolutely. you, you know, yeah. which is just... Uh, <laughs> which, but you know what I love about this? When you're talking about the outfits, you're smiling, yeah. reliving it, you know? Yeah. So they obviously have brought you so much joy oh, along with everything yeah. else. They've, a- absolutely. They've been a character in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's quite funny because as I got older, my own style is just black. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I'm working, you know, the circus and day so it'll be like black teacher black trial so it's a complete contrast to the yes. fact and my my friend Nicola Nicola who was my friend all these years later was going what do you think it'll be black if it's black or it's got bling don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> she's always wearing black yeah. you know so uh, so consequently it's funny because my working clothes then are completely different because they're so lavish yeah. and colourful and everything. Yeah. So it's a, it's a complete contrast, you know, to normal sort of life now. Did, when when you had um, travel, did you say it was a decade you were touring yeah. on and yeah, off? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. As she, but how had the style evolved? Well, it didn't. I tell you what happened. was Tavi was a genius too. She started changing things around. One of my favourite transformations was we had these when we were doing the Eurovision, there were two shots. One was us in the blue and silver jumpsuits and the other one was in these sequin dresses. She'd made us these amazing sequin mm. dresses on mesh with all the fringing on it. And she said, I think I could do something with those. And she took the same silver d- dresses and made them completely different by adding each girl a different colour. And she put marabou blue. Mine was royal blue. Mm. Uh, Maxie's was pink. And Frances's was green. So she took the same dresses, added blue sequins and blue feathers to my one, added pink sequins and pink. And lo and behold, we had three completely different dresses out of because they were so well known by yeah. wearing them yeah. all the time and being in the photographs. And we got another lease of life out of them. Gosh, she really had great vision, didn't oh, she? she? Was, because she that's even now what people are trying to do yeah, yeah. all the time she when was we're talking about really fantastic, you know. Restyling. And, and and I did give a lot of my mine away. I gave them to like to my sisters who were performing in the circus as well. Yes. So I gave them a lot of outfits, you know what I mean? I still have my Eurovision one tucked away. I gave that to my sister and then took it back. So but you know there was so they were so nice she was in court have that. And the jumps the the long jumpsuits in particular 
particular were perfect for circus wear. So my sisters got all, yeah. you know, those. I love that so they, they all had a different, they, all, they did, they all had a, you know, but then I have lovely, uh, I collect also, uh, keep I've got vintage costumes that I keep as well you know that I've acquired over the years as well and so, were they were they that you had bought them from someone else that had used them previously or is it that they're from years ago that you they're from kept years them? ago that okay. I've kept them from various you know, have you ever had years. people ask you to put them together in an, an um, exhibition or have w- you done that w- yes we ha- we did that once uh, we did for a long time we did a Christmas circus in the Royal Hospital Kilmainham oh yeah and uh, for a couple of the years we did we had two big tops like the foyer was a giant big top and then the performance was in the big top and we had a, a stand on one hand uh, uh, out the front in the foyer and we did mm-hmm. a sort of circus costume exhibition for that and I'd we say put them people on loved that, and did they? they did were you nervous so, putting all the clothes out like that no, no. Just, it was no. nice to see them out and I stuck my, my Eurovision dress they insisted I put that out as well so that was, that was on a mannequin as well with the photograph beside it you know which, yeah. which, which, which was good well I, I mentioned to you um, before we were recording that I went to Dollywood um, and just had an absolute ball oh, and then the last done. thing I did there was walk into the room where all of her costumes all are and I, I mean out. I was thinking imagine if I had walked past this and not known but you know it was just a little a little couple of words on everything and it felt like you could really feel and um, the career and the mood of the music that she yeah. was and, and the yeah. people that she and had interacted trend, yeah. and everything because they do tell yeah, their own stories absolutely. so to have that visual yeah. tangible history yeah. I think it's just very special yeah. and very few people I'm yeah. sure would well would I, I just had this I've just as I said I just come back from Las Vegas and one of the highlights I went to see, which I saw, I went to see here too, a hologram of Whitney Houston. Oh, <laughs> Whitney what's Houston it like? show. It is the strangest thing, but I adored Whitney Houston. She was yeah. just one of my all-time heroes. And I'm going, look, who cares? If we're listening to her music for two hours, do we care? But it's a hologram. But it's astonishing because, like, she's bowing and talking and saying bye to the band in front of you. It's really surreal. But in the foyer on the way into the theatre they have her dress the clothes that the hologram wears is there in reality and I took photographs of her because it was amazing and sent them to sign in straight away Whitney's dress yeah you know and that's and and you can see her then and you go that's what she actually it's so evocative and I went there's you know there's a wonderful the icons in Newbridge the museum of style icons I absolutely adore it there in Newbridge and I've been gone loads of times and Simon and I went one year it was like we're two peas in a pod so we were at the glass looking to see how they did the beading of the dress that was yeah. worn by Anne Margaret you know so. I know and I went to see the Prince exhibition there too because yes then, because they get yeah, some incredible, incredible um, traveling things. exhibitions there, you look there at, as well uh, you look at the Prince exhibition one how tiny he was and two tiny. it's no wonder he was in trouble with his hips he did splits with shoes like that he had healed boots the boots were healed and I'm going it's no wonder he was trouble when he did you see him he used to do splits with those shoes it's no wonder his hips went you know? that's so funny um, like a performer's interpretation of yeah, the yeah. exhibition versus yeah, yeah. you know someone yeah, yeah. just Joe Bloggs just going no in wonder. and seeing it as well he had trouble with his hips you know because I saw him live you know and he was incredible and he had all these jumps slipping in and you go with these boots it's amazing boots amazing. you've mentioned signing a couple of times there yeah. you better explain to us okay. how okay, that so, relationship oh, he's a he's a great designer great obviously. designer yeah. and specializing in gooners you know yeah. there was a, like his evening wear astonishing and many uh, uh, whatever so I was just looking I met him through Maxi because he had made some and, and we just hit it off as like two peas in a pot yeah <laughs> we both like hand beating you know it was you know the interest and then of course because I wear bling for a living it yeah. was perfect and he said I must make you a coat and that's how it started he made me this which I still use from the Christmas circus this magnificent floor length 
red sequined coat. He said, I've got the fabric. You have to cut my fabric for you. I was in London. I just happened to see it. This is what we're going to do. And he made me this magnificent with black sequined collar and cuffs. And then this with a train. I've seen a picture of that. Yeah, the red one. That was the first one. And then the second one was, darling, wait till you see with the fabric I found this time. <laughs> and it was, it's white and purple and black. And he made me this huge coat for finale coats, you know, yeah. and then the tail coats. And it's just, it's a friendship. And I've been blessed because yeah. he's gifted, gifted, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'd say so, there's a great synergy there as well absolutely with your sit, ideas. And we, you yeah, know? and we sit watching Cher. He's made stuff for Cher as well. So we sit there watching and he will be doing the coat and I will be embellishing the hat and together it comes together. But as I said, I haven't given myself enough time for the new, (laughs) the black was, black and pink. We have to do it later. So (laughs) it's a joy. I'm sure it will happen. He's so talented, you know, it's just, and his vision is wonderful, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a joy looking at uh, at his creations uh, as well. And I go, I I stood there and I said, darling, is this not too much? Never, dear. (laughs) I can't believe you asked that question. I, did, I, I can't did. believe you asked that I question. I did. I did. I said, is, are you sure that's not too much? <laughs> so, so when, when Sheba wrapped up, you went, you, you um, continued solo as a solo, as a solo uh, singer. performer. I did. Um, what brought you back? I'm okay, just interested I, because it's come full circle now. I blame RTE. I always have blamed <laughs> RTE. So what happened was I was quite happily doing, um, working in Dublin and at the time, the circus would go to Buddha. My father was alive at the time. Mm-hmm. Would go to Buddhist town in Whitehall, and my father was like building stables or doing something. And he used. To, he said to me, "I'm having trouble." He said, "Making it back for the matinee. Would you do if you're not working till nighttime? Would you do a few matinees for me? And then I wouldn't have to be rushing back for the five o'clock matinee." And I'd say, "Okay." So I became my dad's dep, and I would do the matinee for him. And then Justin Nelson had an idea to do a series called The Big Top Show. And it was the premise that we traveled the country with a variety show. The performance took place in our big top and it was presented by Angus McAnally and moi. They asked me if I would do it. And I said, Lovely. absolutely. And do it as your ringmistress, you know, to, to bring the circus in with it. I said, no problem. So my plan was to go down on the Saturday nights and do the show with RT and everybody else. And my father said, well, you can't do that. And I said, why not? He said, because... You're going on television every Saturday and Angus is saying to you, and where will Fawcett Circus be during the week? And you're going to tell what happens if some child comes looking for you during the week and you're not there. He has you. (laughs) I said, what? He said, well, that wouldn't be. Daddy was so, my father was a gentleman and so honest. He said, that wouldn't be right. And I went, okay, then I'll do the season, you know. So I joined back up. It was no big deal, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I had no commitment really in Dublin. Yeah. I was just, you know, doing freelance singing. So it was no difference just to go, oh, all right, I'll do the tour. And it was only supposed to be for the 10 weeks. See you with me? Yes. And of course, we did a second year then, didn't we? And by then, Daddy said, I may as well retire. Uh, <laughs> was he thrilled you were back? But of course he was. Yes. And then my father got cancer, so he got ill. And then it wasn't right for me to leave, you know. Yeah. And then my father passed, and I didn't want to leave my mother, you know, and, and I'm still here. So yeah. 20 odd years later. <laughs> so I sort of went back. And it was no big deal for me either way, yeah. because, you know, I had never left it really in a sense yeah. of spirit. So it was just a matter of coming full circle and coming back. So, you know, then I became known as, you know, the ringmistress and, you know, the face of Fawcett's because exactly. of that. And, and the beating heart of Fawcett's from what you, you know, when you yeah. read and, and you yeah. said to me, you, I'm not on social media. And I was thinking to myself, I wonder, have you ever seen what other people are saying about you on social yeah, media? Because no. really, yeah, it's, no, it's a don't. real celebration of you all the time, <laughs> right. you know. No, so, I don't. Um, I don't. <laughs> uh, but um, it, it's... 
it was a logical choice. Yes. Really, it, it was, it, who else would do it? You know, I was the perfect person to replace my dad, you know, and I had the experience, you know, and I knew what, and I knew what my brother Robert wanted to do because, you know, he, he used to rehearse, we'd rehearse to have the right time that you'd say it at this time and when I go like this the lights will change and you and I knew where he was coming from too mm -hmm. so I was able to bring you know my experience as well into it you know also I can't stand two things when I go to see other ringmasters when they mumble you have to hear what you're saying and the way shows have gone they don't introduce people oh yeah I never thought about that that's yeah. true actually I love when yeah. people are introduced yeah I do too because I think it's manners I went to see a circus a fantastic circus I did now I knew personally who some of the people were mm -hmm. but you wouldn't have known and I said oh they'll tell it they'll when the finale comes they'll tell you who everybody is you know I had a friend with me who didn't know and they didn't yeah so if you didn't buy a program you had no idea and Soleil's the same they don't tell you who the artists yeah. are yeah. And I'm going, well, is it not nice if you've gone out there and risked your life and done a triple somersault that someone would say, hello, this is so-and-so, you know? Yeah. I always think it's a matter. If they're going to do a, a triple somersault, is it not nice to say he's now going to attempt a triple somersault? Amazing, you know? Yeah. And, and there's great anticipation with that as that, well. And you feel yeah, you know the person. I'm old-fashioned. Mm -hmm. You have to remember that. My way, my style of ringmastering is old-fashioned now because they don't really do that. They do the whole show. It's all a concept and it's all, you know, yeah. and they don't talk, you know. It's just so a it's different very different. though, isn't it? Yeah. I'm very traditional in the way, you know, our circus is very traditional in its way. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a good thing. Now, I do talk less than I used to. I do talk mm -hmm. less than I used to. I will more than likely sometimes not pre-announce, I back-announce. Yes. So yeah. when it's over, they'll come in and mood lighting a blow. And then when they're finished, I'll go, this is, you know, yeah. duo something. And, you know, they'll take their bow. Or just unless it's something that I'm going and, you know, where we are. And I do the, the patter and talk and thank yeah. people for coming. And then I'll say, and now one of the most amazing things you're going to see and sit back and, you know, but yeah. like not all the time. You know? Yeah. But you're saying traditional. I mean, I think I think traditional over old fashioned because I think you bring so much from from your career and what, what you have, you know, learned and been exposed to with all your travel and all the other chapters yeah. of your career. You know, Outside, so I, yeah. I don't think you could say old fashioned by any yeah. means and your exciting costumes and everything. You're but, very kind. <laughs> no, 100 uh, percent. I try to be. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with tradition you see this is the thing I am a traditional person I believe in old yeah. values and traditional values and in same in entertainment I like traditional I like old yeah. fashioned yeah. like uh, for example uh, we do a magic presentation and I personally <laughs> and my sister we have re they have these incredible headdresses that I actually got from a friend a proper showgirl headdresses that were made in Paris years ago so oh, we yes. refurbed them and put new feathers on them and I thought they um, blinged them up and we thought they were magnificent and I'm going well you need a good feather when you come in and yet um, my sister who lives in France said it was very old fashioned and I'm oh, going no it isn't right. you can't say that it's fabulous <laughs> so you know there are other ways to look at things more the, the magic acts now they'll do them more modern and I'm going no you can't beat it the girls come out and they've got feathers where else are you going to see feathers you know yeah. but I was delighted to say that I've, I was proven right because uh going out from one of the shows at Christmas this two women had to chat to me and they said the costumes were fabulous and I went oh thank you so much I'm glad you noticed <laughs> yeah that meant so much how could you not notice that's what I did no that's what I did in the lockdown oh I rhinestoned right okay all the existing outfits you embellish them or you create no no because I can't sew I embellish but right. I discovered because back in the day you'd sew everything on it'd be millions and millions but then I discovered strictly come dancing that they don't sew them on they glue them on so I actually got the glue from the Latin dance department in London I have my glue sent over and I learned how to um 
just glue and you just glue on the rhinestones. So I spent the entire lockdown rhinestoning dresses and shirts and things. And my nephew has a magnificent shirt with different. It looks like paint dripping off it in different colors. And there are 7000 rhinestones on that shirt wow. of each color. Because I learned and you that. You didn't get bored of it. No, I learned that from Strictly as well. Because uh, they, they go, oh, so it's not always white about being like they do the same color. So yeah. each color has its same color rhinestones on it. And that's oh. what kept me, you know, and I made jewelry, I made jewelry because I was so bored and not performing. And so that's what I did in the lockdown. So when we did the tour last year, everyone that walked up to the Extra. Extra sparkling. Because I blinged everything. <laughs> well, imagine the appetite for that as well, you know, it would have been but so exciting. Strangely enough, what I love too is because I changed through, as I said earlier, three times in the, in the show and quite often. A young child will come up and say, you changed. I saw you changing. <sighs> and the mother has said to me, she said, yes, you saw you. You changed three times. So it's astonishing what I don't, because I think, well, no one pays any attention that yeah, I've actually yeah, yeah. changed three times. But it's really strange oh, that yes. it's the children will often come and say, you changed. They could tell every yeah. time I came. She said, yeah. yeah, every time you came out, she'd say, she's wearing something different. She's wearing something different. <laughs> yeah, well, I would definitely notice and I'll be looking out for it now. Absolutely. A picnic or yes. otherwise. The next what, what am I wearing for the exactly. finale this year? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I know that you are on a hectic schedule because I know that you're taking to the road earlier than planned um, next week. Um, Planning so, what to wear already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I really do. I've enjoyed this conversation. I could stay another hour. But can I ask you just one other question before you of go? Of course you can. There's, um, I was thinking about all of the different outfits you have worn throughout your life and, and maybe it could be one that you haven't even told me about. But is there one that you think up to now when you look back that you think, yeah, that represents me, you know, that 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 makes me excited or that that was a joyous outfit. Well, strangely enough, there's one it's, it's very plain and simple, but it would have been my growing up when I realized I had grown up. Mm -hmm. We went to a there was a dinner, a showman's dance at the time, and it was my first time to go to like a formal type of thing. And I wore I was I would have been about 17 and I had this long black dress with these beautiful bell sleeves on it. Yeah. And I went to the hairdressers and they put my hair up in sort of these curls and she put little tiny flowers in my hair. And I went off thinking I looked divine. And there was a photograph taken of that. And I think they used it in the paper or something the following day. And I looked at it and I went, oh my God, I look old. Oh. And I, no, I was delighted because I yeah. didn't look 17. And I thought, oh, look at me. And that was the moment when I thought I've grown up. Look at me. I'm already, I look like an adult. I look like a woman in that. And that was the start. And again, it was why? Because it was beautiful, long and glamorous and the hair was done and the face was on and the eyelashes were on. And that was the beginning of, yeah. I can look like that. Because up gorgeous. to that, I was only 17, you know. Yeah. And I thought, I can look like that. And seeing yourself me. maybe for the first time, how others yes. were seeing yeah. you. I think so. That's a lovely memory. And that was the beginning of, you know, and as I said, the glamour has gone through to now. Yes, which has been a joy for all of us to witness. But um, I am, I am one of the oldest three businesses in the world now. Just to well, one of the most experienced um, and glamorous. Yeah, 100%. But a woman on the way out said a lovely thing. She said to, to um, my friend, she said, I've been coming to see the show for said, the last 10 years and she's there every year and she looks the same every time I come. And I went, okay, yeah. <laughs> that'll do me. I'm struck by that, looking at the pictures. Well, listen, I wish you all the best for the next tour. I hope all the glamour is just as stupendous as I imagine. Well, I can't come wait to see, see yes, it. Come and see what I'm wearing this year. I absolutely will. But Marion, thank you so Not much Not at all, thank you. I've really loved it. Thank you. Thanks a million.